Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of John. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen here with the Bible Explained podcast. After a nice long weekend that I was able to have, thank you guys for uh, your grace and your prayers. And yeah, I'm feeling so much better. I'm about 80% back to normal. And yeah, I mean, I was I was hit pretty hard this time with the flu. I got um, quite sick. I was not, it was not the worst flu I ever had, but um, it was not fun. <laughs> but it was all in my head. Like it was just so much bad congestion and sore throat. And I, for a little while there, I couldn't talk at all. And obviously I can't record a podcast if I'm whispering the whole time. <laughs> That's really what I sounded like. It was it was quite bad. But like now that I'm feeling better, I'm not even joking. It, it's probably a mixture of feeling better and the sunshine we've had for a couple days. But I have like a renewed feeling of life, I guess. I, I feel quite happy and uh, just excited that I'm over the flu, I guess. I'm just very happy. So I've been good. So thank you guys so much for the prayers that you gave me on the Facebook page. I saw them and I was very appreciative of all that. But yeah, I'm ready to go back into the swing of things. And what a awesome passage of scripture we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about John chapter 3. And of course, I'm going to guess most of you know the famous verse, John 3:16, which we are going to be discussing today. So yeah, let's go ahead and read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. But before I begin today's episode, how many of you guys still have your trees up, like your Christmas trees? I want to know, tell me how long you keep your Christmas tree up, or if you have it down already, or if you keep it up for way longer. I'd love to know. So contact me. You'll find my business email address in the bio of the podcast episode. So answer that little question for me. How long do you guys keep your Christmas trees up for? And yeah, my my Christmas tree is still up, partially because it takes forever to put it up. It's a 12-foot tree, and uh, I don't want to put it, I don't want to take it down yet. (laughs) Because I put so much effort into putting it up that I don't want to take it down yet. But also partially it was because I was sick because I was thinking about taking it down last week. And then I got sick and I was like, nah, not taking it down. So I might take it down this week or maybe next week or I'll, I'll try to take it down before February, probably. But okay, guys, answer that question. But let's go ahead and read John chapter three, verses one through 21 today. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version, as I always do. Feel free to grab the version that you prefer and also the cup of coffee or the cup of tea that you prefer. And let's go ahead and enjoy the reading of God's word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to him by night, saying, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Most certainly I tell you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see God's kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most certainly I tell you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he can't enter into God's kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it wants to, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, 
Are you the teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? Most certainly, I tell you, we speak that which we know and testify of that which we have seen, and you don't receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended out of heaven, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who doesn't believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and doesn't come into the light, lest his works would be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his works may be revealed, that they have been done in God. All right, so we're introduced to this guy named Nicodemus, and he is a Pharisee, actually, and a ruler of the Jews. So he was a really high-ranking Pharisee. It sounds like he was potentially a, a very prominent member of the Jewish society, it sounds like. And he came to Jesus by night. So a lot of people believe that the reason he came to Jesus by night was because he was scared of his other Pharisee friends because they were against Jesus. And that very well could be true. I would guess that's probably the reason he came to Jesus specifically by night and not during the day. But also it could be because Jesus was surrounded by so many people all the time during the day that maybe uh, Nicodemus wanted to have a moment with Jesus alone without all the multitudes. It could be that also, but I would guess it was probably because he didn't really, <laughs> as a prominent member of the Jewish society, didn't really want to be seen too heavily with Jesus. I, that's my guess, but that's just opinion. It doesn't actually say what Nicodemus's uh, intentions were for coming at night. But anyway, he comes to see Jesus at night. And so he says, he calls him rabbi, which means teacher. He says, teacher, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus was the type that saw and believed Jesus due to what he was doing, because Jesus was beginning to go very public with his ministry. He was beginning to show people uh, signs and wonders, I suppose, and beginning to perform healings and all this stuff. And Nicodemus saw this stuff and heard the words coming from Jesus's mouth, the words of authority. And because of all this, Nicodemus believed. He believed that Jesus was, in fact, from God. So it says, Jesus answered him, most certainly I tell you, unless one is born anew, he can't see God's kingdom. I kind of like the fact that, I, well, I find it interesting that Jesus sort of just, uh, brushes past Nicodemus's, I guess, like flattery in a way, and just gets to the heart of the issue. Like Jesus didn't tolerate flattery. He knew what was inside everybody's heart, hearts, and he knew what Nicodemus needed. So he gets directly to the point. Most certainly, I tell you, unless one is born anew, he can't see God's kingdom. <laughs> oh, that's just amazingly to the point. I love that. I've actually had conversations with my uh, pastor. I'm 
if you know me personally, I don't like uh, really long, in-depth conversations that like dance around an issue. Just get to the point. Even if it's like criticism of me, I'd rather you just say it outright. Like just say, Jen, I don't like what you're doing rather than uh, dancing around it. I've always enjoyed blunt people and it's possibly because I've always been around very blunt people. I don't consider myself to be extremely blunt, but I do love a blunt person. My husband might be one of the bluntest people I've ever met besides my mom. (laughs) My mom and my dad, both very blunt people. Um, My pastor is a very blunt person. My husband's a very blunt person. I kind of surround myself with blunt blunt people. I, I know I'm getting off topic here, but what I'm saying is that I just love how to the point Jesus always is. That's something that I admire about Jesus's character is that he just gets to the point. And so that's what he does here with Nicodemus's flattery. And he doesn't return the flattery at all, actually. Not in a single instance here does he return the flattery. And I mean, that's what I think most people would do in that circumstance is Nicodemus flatters Jesus. And if Jesus were anybody else, he would probably flatter Nicodemus back. But that's not what Jesus does. He gets to the point. So let me get to the point now (laughs) instead of going off on a rabbit trail. Okay, so... Jesus says, most certainly I tell you, unless one is born anew, he can't see God's kingdom. And what does this mean? And this is so fascinating to me that this is what Jesus talks about. And what Jesus is saying here is that the first birth doesn't matter. Now, this would have been paramount to Nicodemus. And you know why? It's because Nicodemus was a Jewish ruler. Jewish rulers taught and believed that your race was what saved you. In other words, if you were a Jewish person, you were automatically saved. And in fact, Orthodox Jews still believe this to this day. If you are born Jewish, you are saved. Jesus is saying that's not true. And he gets to it immediately. He says, your first birth doesn't matter. And this is exactly what John the Baptist was preaching to everybody before Jesus came. John the Baptist was saying, look, all you Jewish people, you need to be baptized because your race, your heritage cannot save you. The only thing that can save you is you turning from your sin and seeking God's kingdom. That is what saves you. And I mean, even John the Baptist would would go so far to say, I mean, God can create children from these stones at my feet right here. He doesn't need you guys, basically, is what John the Baptist was saying. Like, God is so great that he can create children if he wanted to. So your heritage doesn't matter at all. It's your faith. That's what matters. And Jesus says this to Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus would have been like, whoa, whoa, like you're saying that my heritage, my ancestry, the fact that I'm Abraham's child, you know, that doesn't matter. And Jesus is basically saying like, no, it doesn't matter. So Jesus says, you have to be born again. Otherwise, you can't see God's kingdom. And Nicodemus is like, what do you mean? Like, I'm old. I can't just return to my mother's womb and be born again. And this kind of shows like the, uh, I guess the amount of not understanding Nicodemus had of this. (laughs) He he didn't quite get it. So Jesus explains it again. 
He says, most certainly, I tell you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he can't enter into God's kingdom. So the second birth that Jesus is referring to is one of water and spirit. Now we understand the spirit, that is God's Holy Spirit, and everybody who accepts Jesus as Savior also receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in that way, we are born again. So we can kind of understand that point, but what is this water that Jesus is talking about? Most certainly I tell you, unless one is born of water and spirit. Now, when I first read this, I kind of thought baptism, like the initial baptism of water that, you know, regular Christians go through in order to be saved. But then I was thinking about this and I'm like, baptism isn't required for salvation. That's actually made pretty clear in scripture, though it is very clear that Christians should be baptized because that's what Jesus commands us to do. Jesus himself was baptized and it's a testimony to everybody. And it's a analogy of our faith, but the water is not required for salvation because otherwise, how could that man that was on the cross with Jesus, the, the thief that was on the cross next to Jesus, how could he be seeing Jesus in paradise that day? There was no time for him to be baptized. He was going to die on that cross and that was going to be the end of it. So why is it that that man was able to go to heaven without a physical baptizing of water. So baptism is not required for salvation, though it is commanded in scripture and it is important for Christians to be baptized. Don't get me wrong. So what is this water that Jesus is referring to if it's not baptism? Personally, I believe that he's referring to the living water, which is of himself. (laughs) But there's also a verse, and I noticed this on a commentary I was reading, and actually the Enduring Word, which is the one commentary that I love, I keep going back to. Um, But in Enduring Word, they mentioned that there's an Old Testament reference of water in Ezekiel, where it says that um, God is basically going to wash the people with water and give them a new heart. And maybe that's also why we do baptism and why Jesus commands us to do baptism is a physical representation of us being washed with that spiritual water. However, I think the verse, even the verse in Ezekiel that talks about that water that people are going to be washed with does refer to the living water that is Jesus. Because we're going to see in just a few chapters when Jesus speaks to the woman at the well, he refers to himself as that living water. So people cannot be saved unless they are born of water and of spirit. In other words, if they believe in Jesus, the living water, and they have the Holy Spirit inside of them, they can't enter into God's kingdom. Nicodemus would have recognized what Jesus was saying here. Maybe not that Jesus himself is the living water because Jesus doesn't specifically say that here. But I think Nicodemus immediately would have gone back to that verse in Ezekiel being a uh, great teacher that he was of the religious law and and uh, the prophets. So he probably would have remembered that verse that Jesus was talking about based out of Ezekiel. So it says, uh, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So this is kind of the idea of the flesh versus the spirit. And there's verses later on in the New Testament that talk about how the two are always battling with each other. 
you know, the flesh is basically considered to be like the sinful part of us. And then the spirit is obviously the holy part. And those two things constantly battle each other all the time. It's like a constant inner war we always wage with ourselves. And so, yeah, it's it's a constant war that is being waged. And that's kind of what Jesus is referring to here. And so basically, Jesus says to Nicodemus in verse seven, he says, don't marvel. In other words, don't be amazed that I say you have to be born again. He says, the wind blows where it wants to and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who's born of the spirit. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that we don't need to analyze every little thing about this in order to be saved. There are definitely complex aspects about it and things that we will never, ever understand about God's grace and about God's mercy and and salvation in general. But on its base level, it's very easy to understand. Basically, believe in Jesus, believe that he died and rose again for you and ask for the Holy Spirit to come in and give you a renewed life, a, a, a second birth, if you will. And that's the, the basic concept of Christianity is just understanding, A, that you were born a sinner, that there's nothing you can do to achieve salvation on your own, and that you need a Savior. You need Jesus, who is the only Savior and the only path to heaven. You got to believe in him and then ask for the Holy Spirit to give you renewed life. Kind of an easy concept if you if you look at it from the base level of what it is. And this is why I, I like to listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you guys like him or not, but uh, he is not a Christian, but he talks about a lot of Christian stuff and he kills me. He kills me because he has such a good understanding on a lot of uh, the things that he talks about regarding Christianity. And uh, he understands a lot of unique things and th- uh, he believes he understands God very well. But he overanalyzes like every little detail about Christianity. And I'm just like, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And he complicates it and he's not a Christian because he overcomplicates everything. And this is kind of what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, another very intelligent person that understood the scriptures, maybe similar to Jordan Peterson in a way. Maybe Nicodemus was kind of like Jordan Peterson. And Jesus is saying, like, it's like the wind. The wind goes where it wants to go. It comes from where it wants to come from. It does its thing. We just understand. We, we believe it's there. We don't see it. It's the same thing. Like, we don't have to complicate every single thing about Christianity. And Jesus literally commands Nicodemus not to do that. So then Nicodemus answers him, how can these things be? (laughs) What a human thing to say. Like right after Jesus is like, don't complicate it. Nicodemus is like, I don't get it. (laughs) I'm trying to complicate it. That's hilarious to me. And then Jesus kind of is like, look, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand any of this stuff. Like, He's like, how can I teach you about this more advanced stuff about heaven if you can't understand these things, basically? That's what he says in verse 12. Then Jesus says, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended out of heaven. So the son of man who is in heaven. What he, <laughs> that was a little bit confusing to me. But I think what Jesus is saying there is that basically he is the authority on this stuff because he was in heaven and he descended out of heaven to come live on earth. So he's sort of the authority. And so he understands all this stuff. And he's kind of saying to Nicodemus, like, 
I'm giving it to you on the, the basic level, though I can I understand everything about heaven. I can't give you more than that unless you begin to understand these basic principles that I'm laying in front of you right now. And so then he goes on to say, basically, prophecy about how he's going to die. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Then he goes on to say the famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. And that's me uh, stating that in King James Version, because that's what I memorized it in when I was a little kid. But I mean, those famous verses are basically Jesus saying that God loved the entire world. Once again, to Nicodemus, this would be paramount, like a like super crazy idea, because at this point in time, the Jewish people only believed that God loved them because God gave them the law. God gave them you know, the treatment of children, like they, they were God's children. So this idea that God loves the entire world would be kind of crazy to Nicodemus that God loves the Gentiles. That's that's crazy. But that's what Jesus is saying. He loves every human being, every single human being on earth, that he doesn't want a single person to perish. There's other verses about that. God doesn't want anybody to die in their sins. This is why God gave the law before Jesus came down to earth so that people would not die in their sins. And then, of course, when that when people screwed all that up and and couldn't keep the law, (laughs) that's when God sent Jesus to come down and to be the punishment for our sins. And Jesus willingly did that. So and, and then that's what Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus is that the law, though it was good, people couldn't keep it. And so Jesus was supposed to be the sacrifice. Jesus says, I didn't come down to the earth to judge it, but I came down to the earth to save it. He says, the, the people who don't believe in me are, are already judged. And this is the judgment. This is what it says in verse 19. This is the judgment. The lights come into the world, but people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So everything that people were doing, and still to this day, people hate Jesus. Jesus is like the brunt of so many like jokes. People hate Jesus. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I do know why, but I don't know why. I don't know why Jesus is so made fun of the way he is. But people hate Jesus even nowadays. And it's because those people want to remain in the darkness because Jesus is literally the definition of light. And Jesus exposes bad things. And people who are doing bad things themselves, in other words, their deeds are evil, like Jesus says here, they don't want to come to the light because all that evil stuff that they know is evil that they don't want to admit is evil, they want to keep doing all that evil stuff. They don't want that to be exposed to the light. They don't want people to see all that side of them. So they now you can see the the degradation of society right now where people are saying all this evil stuff is good because they don't want to admit that it's evil because then they'd have to admit that what they're doing is wrong and they'd have to change their ways. So that's why we, we're seeing this decline in American society because no one wants to admit what they're doing is wrong. They don't want to come out to the light because the light 
is good and the light exposes dark things. And that's what Jesus says is the judgment. That's the judgment. He who comes to the truth comes to the light that his works may be revealed that they have been done in God. That's why Christians, they're considered to be the light of the world because they have the truth. The truth is the light. So all these people out there that want to lie to you and want to lie to other people and say that these things are good, that's darkness. That's not truth. That's not light. That's corruption. That's evil. And I'm just going to call it out for what it is. Because unfortunately, that's what Jesus says is the judgment right now until Jesus comes back again. And I mean, that's not going to be a good day for uh, people who are living in the darkness. That's not going to be a good day. And so I, I just, um, I guess I want to give that warning to everybody. Don't, don't think that staying in the dark is a good thing. Because it's not going to give you a quality of life. It's not going to be good for you in the long run. It's not the joy ride that you think it is. It's just not. And this is me coming from, I suppose, a place of darkness years ago. I, I want to say, and I, I do believe, that I have come to the truth and I have come into the light. And I can just say and tell you honestly that my life is so much better now than it was back in those other days. I am 100% positive of that. But friends and faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you uh, take it to heart and think about some of the stuff that we talked about today and maybe share it on your social media platforms if you know somebody that could use today's message about John 3.16. This is kind of like the love chapter, I suppose, how much God loves the world. And I think a lot of people need this right now, the, the true definition of love. But friends and faithful listeners, I will see you guys bright and early tomorrow morning for an episode out of Deuteronomy. Until then, happy listening and God bless. Thank you.